0: Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and parents around the world. Hi, everyone. Ellie here. I am so curious. Like, what are you up to while you listen to Atomic Moms? Are you commuting? Are you pushing a baby stroller? Are you catching up on housework or errands? Take a selfie. Tag Atomic Moms. Share it on Instagram because I really want to see what you're up to when you're listening. Uh, And I might share it on an upcoming Instagram story thingy. What do the kids call it? Insta stories? Yeah. Yeah. Before we hop on this call with Jack Tatelman, the co-founder and creative director of State Bags, I wanted to fill you in. You guys, if I had known my guest was going to share the sweetest love story ever about her husband and founding their company and their give back mission, I would have saved this one for Valentine's week. So consider it my early Valentine to you. Their company, State, has donated hundreds of thousands of backpacks in America to kids in need. I own their backpack. I take it everywhere with me. I bet a lot of you all also have their bags or your kids do. Jack has, I mean, it's obvious to me why she's a creative director and a co-founder. Her enthusiasm and energy is so contagious. You, I hope, will leave this conversation with a little more pep in your step as I did. Also, I will share that I love the beginning of our conversation so much because it feels a little bit like lifting the veil on how glamorous being an entrepreneur can be. Just kidding. Okay. I will be right back with Jack Tatelman. Hello. It's Ellie again. Is that better? (laughs) It is better. Thank you so much. Sometimes no I just problem. have to unplug something and plug it back in. I mean, that's the trick. Right? Always? Yes, always. Okay. So we're calling you at your offices, I'm assuming in Soho. Is that correct? Yep. That's right. Okay. So set the scene for us, Jack. Like what's on your desk? Like what do you see out your window? what What's the snack situation?
1: Oh my God. So, well, right now I'm actually sitting in our conference room, which usually is a glass fishbowl. But right now we've moved all the racks for our fall 2019 season. So all the samples for fall 2019, men, women, and kids are all racked up and shoved into the conference room. So I'm essentially like in a bunker of backpacks right now.
0: I think this is why Um, your sound is so good. I need that for the podcast studio because yeah, a (laughs) bunker of backpacks is like kind of perfect for a sound situation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was on purpose. It was on purpose. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So we're in Soho. It's great. I actually just got a huge, I'm in charge of snacks in the office because <laughs> I maintain a very healthy lifestyle and I kind of, um, push that and like, um, on our, on our team a lot. I obviously, you know, I'm not like here shaming people who <laughs> do eat the honey nut Cheerios with whole milk that I do buy all the time. Um, but, but, I just ordered a big delivery of snacks for the team. So we have a huge cabinet filled with really delicious snacks right now and some ready-to-drink coffee. And we actually just did a team, like, physical exercise, sally-ups, which we do in the afternoon pretty often. And now I'm, like, bunkered in the conference room with the space heater talking to you. (laughs) What is a sally-up? So there's a song by Moby and it's called, it's actually called Among the Flowers or something like that. Um, you wouldn't know that it's actually a song that CrossFit uses at the mm. end. I'm not a CrossFit person, but I just know this, that they use it at the end of their workouts. And it's like, it says like, bring Sally up and bring Sally down over and over again. So you can do it with like squats or planks or Burpees. whatever. And yeah, totally. So we just did it with our office with squats.
0: Okay. I admit to listeners all the time that like, you know, I'll get sent emails from publicists saying, you know, this mother would be amazing on and she's got this amazing product. And I am often reluctant to have conversations with those guests because I'm afraid it'll feel like an infomercial. But the craziest thing happened, I get the email from your publicist about state bags. And then I'm like looking down at my state bag that is like resting by my side, like my
1: little buddy. I was like, of course, I would love to have (laughs) Jack on. I love that story. That's so cool. Thank you so much for like supporting us. That really means a lot to me.
0: It goes everywhere with me because I outgrew our diaper bag pretty early on. You know, the second child, you just don't hold on to that diaper bag as long. Oh, definitely not. And this was one for my life and for our 17-month-old Eliza's life. That bag has seen us through a lot of hard times, airport layovers, on the playground. It's uh, practically (sighs) indestructible. We're going to talk about your philanthropy and everything else, but first, like, just share for listeners who don't know, like, what are state bags? Like, where can they find them? And then you must share with me, like, what was the first moment? Like, do you remember when you first saw one of them, like, out in the wild? Like, when did you run up to a person and go like, that's my bag?
1: Yeah. I mean, so actually you kind of hit the nail on the head for what state was sort of intended to be which i think is mm. you know kind of an interesting business and again like not to sound like an infomercial infomercial <laughs> at all like Running a backpack brand or like a brand that is predominantly backpacks is very different than most businesses out there and the way that you kind of look at it and approach it and approach your marketing and all that sort of stuff. And really what we've boiled it all down to is that we're there to be your off-duty cool bag. So like, you know, whatever your life looks like off-duty, you know, we're there to be the durable backpack, to be the fanny pack, you know, to be the product that you really rely on for your family family's needs, for your child's needs, for your husband, for yourself, for your partner, whoever it might be. And so you really like nailed exactly what we want our customers to be enjoying about our product. And the way that state came to be, which we can definitely talk about after, is also an incredible story and, you know, how we've evolved as a business specifically on the philanthropy side. Um, has is really something to be very proud of. And I unabashedly talk about it all the time. It's my favorite subject, aside from my children, is obviously this business. But I remember um, seeing my first state bag on the street in Brooklyn and, you know, running up to the person and like first seeing, do I know them? Um, (laughs) Because for a while it was just like, I remember my best friend being online at Zara and she saw someone wearing a state bag and she ran up to them and she's like, oh my God, who do you know, Jack or Scott? And they were like, what are you talking about? And she's like, your backpack. And she's like, I got it at Urban Outfitters. Um, I don't know who Jack and Scott are. Um, But for me, it was the same. I was like, do I know this person? And then when I didn't, I was just like, oh my God, like, do you like it? (laughs) Uh, You know, where did you get it? Um, You know, any, any tweaks you think I should make? And they were kind of like, wow. And I've since run into that person who has their like 13th, state bag, you know, and is a huge fan and actually someone who's like a very friendly face in the neighborhood. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, how I, I still feel that way, though, honestly, anytime I see a state bag on the street or even my favorite, one of my favorite things is the first day of school in Brooklyn because mm-hmm. we're so saturated in Brooklyn. And it's like, it's it's a beautiful sight. It
0: really. <laughs> that is. must be incredible. Like all these little backpacks, like <laughs> going down yeah. the sidewalk in Brooklyn, <laughs> That's that must be really special.
1: Yeah, and they like, and the kids feel so good, you know. Yeah. And, and I think like what's so special about our brand too, and I hope what's happening is that like it really is starting a conversation at home as well, you know, about what it means to have a state bag. So I, when I see all those children, I'm like, well, at least some of them, you know, they're going to kindergarten, but maybe their parents are having a conversation with them that they wouldn't have otherwise had because they bought state
0: yeah let's so, talk about the one to one aspect of yeah so
1: um So the the premise of how we started State, actually, you know, Scott and I started a nonprofit summer camp for inner-city kids from Brooklyn. Um, Now we actually serve a neighborhood in the Bronx, but from East New York, Bed-Stuy, Red Hook, you know, some of the toughest neighborhoods in the country. And what we kept seeing, unfortunately, were the kids coming off the bus with their stuff in trash bags. We knew that we wanted to do more for these kids. Not only did we know that they needed something material to take their... Most prized possessions that they would be carrying a, like with them for a week away from home. But we also knew that like positive messaging was what they really needed and role models and, you know, really honestly, the opportunity to just be kids. And so we started state as a one for one bag company. So for every bag we sell, we donate one to American children living in situations of need through like very motivational, happy, somewhat like rallyish dance parties. But we actually just announced that starting in 2019 that for every product we sell, we'll donate to American children in the way they would need it most. So in some cases it's a backpack and in some cases it's you know, a monetary donation or um, they need help with certain aspects of a building or a playground or whatever it is, we're looking to, you know, really just support American children.
0: Well, we've got a lot of Michigan listeners. Basically, my whole my husband's whole family lives in Michigan. <laughs> and so yeah. big shout out to Haley Stekiel, if you're out there listening, uh, my sister-in-law. And uh, I saw that you did one of your backdrop rallies in Flint, Michigan. So can you talk to us a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah, actually, that was one of the first experiences that was really enlightening for us. Number one, one of the things that we tried to do, so I am the creative director and I handle everything on the creative side, um, forward-facing marketing and all of our product and Scott my husband he is the one who handles all the philanthropy so again we started off as the one for one business so we were like focusing on where there is a need we would go wherever there was a need in the country and then he started a different program that is in line with all of you know the ethos of state and what we stand for called what do we tell the kids and you know we've done various projects through what do we tell the kids but the m- most recent one i believe we did was in flint michigan and the premise was what do we tell the kids about the fact that Michigan still doesn't have clean water. And through that process, we realized that you know they didn't actually need backpacks. So we were like, well, what would what do we do here? So, one of the first things that we did was create a what do we tell the kids project around local heroes of Flint, Michigan that are doing things not only to um, support the water crisis, but also things within the community like anti-bullying campaigns, campaigns for um, bringing awareness to Flint, campaigns about actually getting clean water to, to, to the schools, like all these different things that these local heroes were doing. And we created a whole illustration series behind it that we put through social. And we emailed about to say, like, look, there's still a water crisis, you know, but there are people who are bringing light to the community and who are trying to make a difference in a way to teach these kids, you know, that they mean something, that it's not, you know, just because they can't get the proper funding or, Whatever the the actual issues are, there is still light within these communities and there are still people who are doing everything in their power to make sure that these kids feel supported and loved and like they can, you know, they can do anything that they set their minds to. So we did that whole, what do we tell the kids project? And then we also worked with some of the schools who actually did need backpacks to donate 10,000 bags. Um, to um i think it was one public school or two public schools or something like that around there i'm sorry not to be uh missing my missing my information
0: <laughs> that's incredible and with scott every time i <laughs> say scott i in my mind i go scott with one t scott with one t Yes, yeah, everyone does that <laughs> <laughs> so, okay so scott with one t uh his parents ran a summer camp in Maine.
1: Yeah, they still do. His his sister runs it actually now. His parents started it there.
0: That's wild. You know, and then obviously this turns into you all having this weekly camp in the summer on the website. You guys have a quote and it says campers were slowing down their speed of life. And like yeah. that idea that like to take them out of the city to like take the burden off of their shoulders for one week where they can have these experiences they would never have the chance to have, whether it's like like climbing a wall or, you know, doing all these typical kid camp things. It's so beautiful how he was raised in that environment and then he was able to share that with the world in a bigger way. What's it like co-parenting with a man who was like raised at a camp, basically, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he he was a camp. I, first of all, I went to sleepaway camp when I was six years old for eight weeks. I am a diehard camper. Like six years old, no way. See you later. I didn't cry once. I was the ultimate camper. I was literally in love with camp life. And that was Scott too. He was in love. He didn't go at six. He went at a normal age, um, but he went through college. He was still working at camp. And, you know, then his parents started this camp and he worked at the camp and, and like, he felt like he was, you know, Peter Pan. Like he was like a, always a kid, like just at camp. But, you know, it's, I, I've never met anyone like Scott before. He like is the most empathetic kind, loving, just like warm person I've ever met. Like I always tell him, you know, even when I can't stand him, you know, that he's like a living angel. Like he really is. He's like a living angel. He's just the best person. So when he was running this summer camp, after camp was over, he was laying there like in the grass, looking up at the stars. And he kept thinking to himself, like how lucky he was that he got to do this. And that like how these kids who come, who are like, you know, parents are wealthy, can send them to Mm -hmm. camp for eight weeks, how they get this beautiful experience. And they'll probably have it a million times in life. And there are so many kids who are sitting in cities who like, whose parents will never be able to send them away for the summer, or they'll never get to leave their city. And they'll never get to lay on their backs and look up at the stars. And like, he was just like, oh my god, and it clicked. And literally, the next summer, he had eighty kids from Dorchester, Massachusetts, coming up to camp for a week in Maine um, to experience what they call Camp Northbound now. That's in it's like nineteenth summer or something like that. Um, and it was just like the idea that like, why shouldn't these kids have this opportunity? It's the most special. Thing to, to like, you know, be, you know, with your peers in a bunk to, you know, be out on a lake on a boat and like to play tennis, to, you know, do all these things that they just never would have had the opportunity to do all the things that are camp. I mean, it's the best. So it, 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 it was a really special idea that I was so proud to like actually become his girlfriend hmm. the first summer that he did it here in New York. And I was like, I- I'm all in. I mean, I'm a camper. Like, I am a camper. Like, I am so in this with you. And we did it together. And now, it's a, now Camp Power is in its 11th summer. It's amazing.
0: Going back to being a six-year-old and going to camp, in a Forbes interview, you're quoted as saying, I grew up in a house where it was guts over fear, push through. I'm really proud yeah. of that. So can you expound on that?
1: yeah I mean I think I don't know if it's just it was just you know my mom um came to it from Israel to America when she was eight. um my dad was one of two boys but actually lived in the house with his uh two older cousins He was the youngest of four boys, and like my family you know they were loving and warm, you know I don't have anything bad to say, but it was like, you, you just power on, you know, like there was not a lot of, you know, coddling. Um, a lot of it was like, well then use your brain to figure out how you're gonna like make this work for you. Um, and my mom, I always say my mom is like 50 first dates. I don't know if you ever saw that movie with Drew Barrymore where she wakes up every single morning and forgets everything. And she like, wakes up and she's like, hello world. But she has no idea what happened the day before. That's my mom. Like she woke up with a smile every day. Like every day she was just like happy and full of energy and life. And like, I just like, that's just was my norm. We just wake up happy. And like, if there's something that's an obstacle in your way, like use your brain, like figure out how you're going to make it work. Problem solve it. Um, and it's kind of like they, they didn't even think twice about sending me to camp when I was six. I was like, I want to go. My brother's going. My cousin's going. Mm. It Sounds like a good time. I'm <laughs> going to go. And I did. So using that uh, push
0: through that you, you know, clearly inherited <laughs> – How has that worked for you as an entrepreneur? Like, can you share, you know, the darkest hour in the creation of your company and how did you bounce back from it? Like, how did you know to keep pushing through and not to quit or just pivot in a completely different direction?
1: It has not yet occurred to me to quit, which has been the number one thing. I mean, I can, I'm sure for all the entrepreneurs out there listening, you understand how crazy it is to start a business. It is like, it it really is so unbelievably difficult to number one, create a brand and then to support it with a business. Um, But There have been, and so there have been a lot of dark moments and a lot of really low moments. Um, But it has never occurred to me to quit because immediately I go into problem solving mode like the first time, where I've told the story so many times and it's just still like gives me goosebumps to think about it. But right after we launched the brand, um, Scott and I went on vacation and um, I was standing behind him and his backpack was ripping. And I was like, oh, my God, your bag is ripping. And he was like, what bag? I'm like, your state Uh, bag is ripping. And we had just launched. We had just been written up in Daily Candy on Vogue. We had a launch party. We'd sold hundreds of bags at that point in time. And, you know, we had to, um, like, really strategize in that moment. Okay, what do we do? And it was really a defining moment because it was like, okay, what kind of business do we want to be? right? Mm -hmm. So should we go on selling these bags and wait for people to tell us that they're ripping? Should we be completely transparent and reach out to everyone who's bought a bag and pull the bags off the website and not sell anything the first five months of business until we can reproduce product? And we literally, Scott was definitely not as resilient as I was. And and, and, like, there have been many, many, many moments where I've caught him just like head between the knees, like in the bathroom. And I'm like, get up. Like, (laughs) we got work to do. Um, And we like, you know, I like brought him back to life. And I was like, all right, we're going to Jamaica. We're going to land in Jamaica. The second we land, we're going to call the office because we were working with consultants at the time. I was like, and this is the plan. We're going to reach out to every single person who bought a bag. We're going to send them a return label. We're going to pull those bags off the website. We have now, mind you, one style to sell. like, we're going to pull those bags off the website. We're going to tear them to shreds, look at them, see what happened. I'm going to go to China. We're going to figure it out. We're going to remanufacture bags and we're going to put product back out there again. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And that's exactly what we did. And it was really scary because for a very long time, we were barely selling anything.
0: How did you pay for that? Because I'm sure that's something a lot of listeners are wondering right now. Like you have some like a screw up that big. How do you continue to invest at that point? Or how do you convince yourself that it will be different in five months and that you'll launch? I mean, obviously, the story turns out really, really well looking back. But in that moment, how do you say, okay, we're going to continue investing in this?
1: We, had, we, 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 we didn't even consider not, honestly. We, we were self-funding. Um, but you know, we were like, we will just continue to take the hit. We, we had so much love. And that's another piece of advice I always give to other entrepreneurs who are just starting out, where it's like, if something like that happens during the first couple of months of business, do you love it enough to like literally fight for it. Like we loved this business to this day. We feel the same way about this business. We've loved it, the idea of it so much. And we knew that we were going to be the type of business that was going to make change. We were at least going to start a conversation. We were going to at least plant a seed. And we knew that we would be that company. And so it just wasn't an option to give up. We were 100% going to fight for it. Um, and yeah, we sacrificed a lot. We still do sacrifice a lot, you know, to fund this business and to keep it going. But again, like there is no other option for Scott or I, we just absolutely live for this company.
0: So in running this business, and again, you're at Pottery Barn, Nordstrom, Shopbop, you've got your own site, like, plus you're running this nonprofit and you've got two kids, Something's always got to give, right? Like personally in my life right now, I I feel like I'm slightly in like a psychological experiment of like how much can I be doing at once? Like we're I think Mm -hmm. I feel like that backpack that you saw on your husband's back that is like start. You're like ah, it's starting to give. (laughs) Like what what do you cut out of your life? It you know intentionally. What do you
1: cut out of your life in order to make all of this work? I mean. I guess like it it depends on what day you're asking me, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm always failing at something, which I hear all the time, you know, from other mom entrepreneurs too, like, and moms who are busy with work and all that sort of stuff that like, it just always feels like you're failing at something, you know? Um, And I tried to like, like kind of like how my mom was, you know, wake up every single day with a renewed perspective and like kind of say to myself, like today, you know, I'm going to really focus on X, Y, or Z and like really try to accomplish that goal. And that will make me feel like I did something right today. You know, even if it's just like call everyday athlete where my daughter takes like rock climbing classes and cancel the class. You know what I mean? Like like it could be something very small, but if I did it by the end of the day, you know, I feel really good about myself. So setting these smaller goals um, to just make myself feel like I've, you know, and I actually try to set them in several different facets of my life too. So like accomplish something for that has been like looming for, for state, for the kids. And then like for my marriage, which I think Mm -hmm. if I'm answering honestly, is probably the thing that like suffers the most in my life because I also see my husband every single day at work. And so Mm -hmm. you feel like you've spent that time together because you saw each other. And so it's harder to like work on, you know, finding more time, You know, to be together. Um, So I'd say that, like, that part and, like, the communication, because it's also, like, sometimes, like, if we have, like, an argument in the office where he's, like, you, like, you made me feel bad in that meeting that I didn't, you know, finish that blah, blah, blah. And, like, I'm, like, you know what, like tell your story walking. (laughs) You know, like I'm not in the mood to communicate with you right now. Yeah. Okay. I'm co-writing an
0: ABC sitcom with my husband. It's inspired by this podcast that we're doing right now and also by our little family. And like, It's the first time my husband and I are working together, so we're, like, writing together all the time, and then at night, like, it'll just – things will pop up. Like, okay, how do you set your boundaries at home? Like, or is he allowed to wake you up with a business question that will, like, just, you know, send your heart racing? How do you set those limits?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it's like, oh my God, I, I don't set limits. Are you kidding me? I'm like so irrational about things. There's like no, like, there's no method to my badness. Like sometimes he can ask me a business question and I'm like, oh, I love talking about state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ask me whatever. And then other times I'm like, why are you asking me that? Didn't we already talk about that? Yeah. Didn't you, were you not paying attention in the meeting? Like someone else already said that. Why do I have to tell you all over again? Why do I always have to tell you all over again? You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's
0: like the mental load of your work life and home life with your partner.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I think we we have tried to not talk about state at home unless it's a happy conversation. Like, hey, remember today when we, you know, like when everyone was doing sally ups and we were all laughing. That was so fun. We should <laughs> do that again. You know, like those types of things. But I think, like, when we get home is not the time to, like, start brainstorming a new creative idea together or anything like that.
0: Although I did see that you take showers. Can you give us that tip?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am like – I'm like Einstein in the shower. Uh I feel like I am the smartest person there ever was when I take a shower. And I don't know, once I get out of the shower, I'm like me again, but I I come up with the greatest ideas for business in the shower. I take one every night and I like, I take one every morning too, but I take one at night to just like relax and like let the day go. And I like, I like have this like way I, I wish like Scott has done an impression of me. I don't even know what's going on in the shower because I'm so deep in thought, but I like shift off my feet and I'm just like sitting there and I just it, the whole day sort of resonates with me and I can like reflect. And then I usually like come up with some sort of like either hypothesis or idea or whatever. It just is like my, it's like my safe place. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you look back
0: at this time in your life, you know, with your children as, you know, an attentive parent, like, what do you, what do you want to remember? Um, what are the little moments that you're sort of packing away for, you know, when when you hit the empty nest someday?
1: I love like, I mean, right now they're at such a gr- they're both at such great ages. They're six and four. And um, like my parents got divorced when I was 11. And I was really wanting more than anything out of life to have like a happy home and like have a really close family. Um, I just, I always wanted it. I literally like, it was probably in my lifelong goals, like having a family that was really close, you know, was my number one thing. And I live for the moments when we're like, like almost nose to nose, like on the couch. And I just like, I love looking at their faces and like, I, I, I try to just, say to myself, like, this is, these are the moments I'll never forget. Like looking at their faces, like as they're growing and they're becoming people and like seeing how they're like starting to look a little bit like me and a little bit like Scott, like, and it's just, I, I'm like, I'm the most, like, I'm the most nostalgic over our connectedness, you know, throughout, you know, their lives so far. And just you know, that, that, that feeling of like, these are my kids, like, this is our family. Um, you know, I just, I, I really do like take a step back and like look at us a lot. Yeah. And I think that that's what will will be like ingrained in my brain.
0: Well, Jack, you just turned my whole day around. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Oh, of course. Where can our listeners find you?
1: On Instagram, I'm Jack Tate, J-A-C-Q-T-A-T-E. And you can always kind of discover what I'm up to um, at statebags.com.
0: Great. And we'll have more information on our website, atomicmoms.com. Thank you so much for this lovely chat. I like, feel weirdly energized to go pick up my preschooler now from school. <laughs> oh.
1: Good. I'm glad I can give you that last bolt of energy yeah. before they totally make you crazy. Again. I'm going
0: to study her face <laughs> until she drives me nuts oh, again. Do <laughs> it. Do it. Thank do you it. so much. Super appreciate it. Okay. So listeners, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a written review. It can be as simple as a, you know one line. Reading the reviews really make my day. Thank you for being so kind. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms.